What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then Deuteronomy 24, he said, When thou cuttest down thine harvest in the field, in thy field, and as Forgot a sheaf. Oh, look at that. I forgot that sheaf in the field. Look at that. There's still some good corn on that sheaf. i got to go back and get that. He said, don't do it. He said, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, for the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. And when thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. In other words, we'll take one pass through this tree, we'll get olives we can. Look, there's still some more olives on that tree. What do we do? God says, don't you dare go back. Don't you dare go back. He says, thou shalt not go over those boughs again. It shall be for the, father, for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest thy grapes of, the, of thy vineyard, and you missed a few. There were under those leaves over there. Well, go back. No, God says, when thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and the widow. And then he said, why? Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. In other words, God said, I fed you in Egypt. Now you feed. It's your turn. But not every landowner completely agreed with God on this matter. Some hard-hearted landowners, they, they wanted to have the greatest harvest. After all, it's money, it's profit. And so they looked at what was left behind as lost. I lost it. And those hard-hearted landowners didn't see as what was left as really supposed to be for the poor and the stranger as a loan to God that he was going to pay back. They didn't quite see it that way. And so those hard-hearted landowners, they put obstacles in the way of the poor and the strangers to keep them from gleaning from after the reapers. I mean, some of those hard-hearted landowners, they didn't allow the poor and the strangers to come in their ground there. And what they did is they planted prickly pear barriers around their fields, made it a little tough for them, on their properties to discourage the poor and the strangers from coming. So Ruth knew about those hard-hearted landowners, and so she told Naomi in verse 2 that she was going to go look for the landowner in whose sight I shall find grace. So she knew the, what, that the right 
for the poor and the strangers, of which she, she was both, she was a poor and a Moabite stranger, was a gift of grace. She knew that. And she knew that she depended on the grace of the landowner. So just as Ruth knew that she was dependent on the grace of the landowner, we know that we depend on the grace of God and on his kindness, who means it for good. In Romans 5.17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by, by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. See, we have eternal life because of the abundance of the grace of God. And Romans 5.21 said that as sin has reigned unto death, even so my grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So just as we once lived under the reign, the domination, the control of sin in our lives, we're now following the Lord Jesus Christ. We live under a different reign, which is the reign of grace. And we have the righteousness of God under that reign in eternal life. Titus 3, 7 says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the great hope of eternal life. The grace of God results in our justification. The same justification that's spoken of in Isaiah 53, 11, when it says, So, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It's that justification at the cross where he bore our iniquities that gives us the hope of eternal life. It's that justification at the cross where he bore our iniquities that enables us to look at the grave and death of a loved one, our own grave and death, and say, tauntingly, O oh death, bring it on. Where's thy sting? O oh grave, is this the best he got? Where's your victory? And now in verse 3, a very important statement is made. The three words, and she went, starts off, and she went. That means she actually left. <laughs> that means she went. And, so, and she actually left Naomi. She went alone. Now, how was she able to do that? How was a single woman, a foreigner, an outcast, a black man in Selma, Alabama, black woman, Selma, Alabama in 1950s, despised foreigner, How's she able to do that? She's only been in Israel with her mother-in-law, but here we read that she's left Naomi and she ventures out alone, and it's not just for sightseeing, but she's going out to beg to be able to pick up food that the reapers have dropped. How was Ruth able to do that? How was she able to have this brave enough to go out alone? Um, how do we, what do we do when we're afraid? When we, what do we do? We feel like, I don't feel brave. I feel like I'm alone. What do we do when we feel like David? When he said in, in Psalm 55, 6, my heart is sore pained within me. The terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. And horror has just overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I'd fly away, be at rest. You know, what do we do when we're alone and, and we feel so, our hearts hurting inside of us? We're so fearful. And we say with David, it'd just be a lot easier to die than to go through the torments of the terrors of death that have fallen on me. And what do we do? And David said, fearfulness and trembling have just fallen on me. And horror is like a, horror is like a great wave. It's just overwhelmed me. And, we, and when we say, like, like Dave, boy, I wish I had wings like a dove. I want to get out of here, fly away from all these troubles. And what did do, Ruth do? 
And what did Ruth do when she needed to be brave and she needed to not be afraid and she needed to go out alone and get food for her and Naomi? She did what we need to do. She trusted God. She trusted God. That's what David said in Psalm 56.3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. See, Ruth did what David did when he was greatly distressed because his wives were taken away from him. It's bad enough to have one wife, but he had two. There's several. And the wives of his men were taken captive, and his own men were planning, and he could hear their plans. Well, let's kill David. <laughs> he, he, he has a problem. Let's kill him. How does he recover? In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke, spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. And D David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. Ruth and David put, did what Paul did when he was in such trouble, he despaired of his own life. He said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, he said, For we would not, brethren, have you be ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. See, Ruth trusted God and said about Jehovah Jesus, anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I'm not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Now we read in verse 3. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. You know, hap is an old English word, means happenstance, which is really not even a word we use today, but anyway, or chance. Hap expresses what it looked like to anyone else what was happening. It looked like it was just a matter of hap. It, it, you know, it's just a matter of chance, just a matter of luck. I mean, the dice rolled snake eyes, what can you say? It looked like lucky break. You know, it, it looked like, what you know, th that's what it looked like when she just happened on the land of Boaz. Now, I want to know how that works. How does that work? How did that work out that for Ruth, that she just happened by chance to land on Boaz's property? How did that happen? I mean, if Ruth had not landed on Boaz's property by chance, and ended up being the great-grandmother of King David in the line of the Messiah, then we better have told those wise men, turn around and go back. There's no king of the Jews born in Bethlehem. You know, if Ruth had not landed on Boaz's property by chance and ended up carrying out the line of the Messiah, then you and I better not waste our time coming to church because we don't get the get-out-of-hell cards and the tickets to heaven. So I just want to know how that works. How does that work, that Ruth just happened by chance to land on Boaz's property? I want to know how that works when King Ahasuerus can't sleep one night and he doesn't have any Ambion or whatever it's called, and, and, and he calls for the, the next best thing, which is something really boring to read, which are the chronicles of history. And just by chance, the readers read to him the history of Mordecai who saved his life in Esther 6. One through three. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles. And they were read before the king, and it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, 
who sought to lay hand on King Ahasuerus, and the king said, what honor? What honor? What dignity has been done to Mordecai for this? They said, nothing. I want to know how that works. How does that half stuff work in life? I mean, did the readers pick up this book of the records of the Chronicles and, and every page had a red light on it, and, except the, the part about Mordecai, and that had a green light on it? I mean, is that how it worked? Or, or, did, or did they pick up the book and, and all the pages were mysteriously stuck together, except for these parts here? I want to know how this half stuff works. How does it work? How did Eliezer find Rebecca, who became the vital link in the line of the Messiah when he set out with no idea how he's going to find a wife for Isaac? I want to know how the hap stuff works. I want to know, how did Ruth really find her way into the field of Boaz when it was vital for you and vital for me that she did? It was vital for our salvation. She found it. Did God put a red light in front of all the fields she passed until she came to the field of Boaz where God put a green light? You know, was there a voice from heaven that's saying, you're getting warmer, keep blowing, you know? <laughs> there you are. Now you're at the right field. Did she have a dream the night before where she saw the right field and so she was going? She didn't have a dream. She didn't have a vision. She didn't see any red light. She didn't see any green light. She didn't hear any voices. So how did she come to the right field? Boaz. I mean, let's say that Charlie Rose is interviewing Ruth on his show tonight. You have to stay up till one in the morning to see it, but anyway. And Charlie Rose says to Ruth, Ruth, that was very important that you chose the field of Boaz. Ruth, I'm sure you had some definite leading about choosing the field of Boaz. Can you tell us what that leading was? See? And Ruth would say, well, Charlie, or maybe he'd call her Mr. Rose. I don't know what she'd say, but anyway. Well, he said, I, I didn't have any special leading. Charlie, and Charlie Rose said, no, you must have had a special leading. And then, and then Ruth said, Charlie, you need to go back and read my book, the book of Ruth, <laughs> again. And don't miss that word, hap. Because, Charlie, it says my hap was to light on his field. It just happened, I just happened to go there. Now, that's how it was from a human point of view. It just looked like happenstance. But that's not how it was from God's point of view. It's totally something else. God led Ruth to the right field, and God leads us. But it's not the way a lot of people talk about God's leading today. People today say things like, God told me. You know, I was wondering, I said, how did God tell him? Boy, I don't hear that, you know. Maybe God's not telling me, I don't know. But the Lord's will was for me to say this or do that or go there. Sounds like they heard a voice or they got an email from heaven that says, you know, do this, you know. That's not how it happened to Ruth. As far as Ruth was concerned, Ruth would say in verse 3, I went, I came, I gleaned in the field of the reapers, and my hap was to light on the part of the field belonging to Boaz. At the end of the book of Ruth, then Ruth can look back and see, oh, it was the will of God that for me to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz. So that's the end of the book. But Ruth would say, at the end, she'd say, there was no half about it. God led me there. But we're not at the end of the book of Ruth in chapter 2 and verse 3. So at this moment, it appears to everybody, including Ruth and everyone else, she, she happened on the part of the field. And today, when you ask King Ahasuerus in heaven how it happened that the readers happened to choose the history of Mordecai, he would say, I didn't choose where the readers were going to read. I just asked him to read me something really boring so I could go to sleep. And now I see that those readers were led to choose the critical part 
so that the people of God, the Jewish people, would not be exterminated, and my Savior and the Savior of the world would come through them. But at the time, it was a matter of half. And at the time, I would say, it was chance. Now it's clear to me it wasn't chance at all. And if you asked Eliezer, how do you find the right wife for Isaac? He would say, well, it's uh, Genesis 24, 27. He said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, who hath not left me destitute of mercy and truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me. See, Eliezer would say, I was overwhelmed with the responsibility. How was I going to find a wife for Isaac? I mean, really. I mean, it really weighed heavy on me, Eliezer would say. Eliezer would say, now I have some experience with women to know that they don't always do what you want them to do. And, and, and I brought that up to Abraham. And I asked him, I said, what do I do if the woman's not willing to, do, to come with me? And he said that he knew about that issue with women too. And, and he told me that, okay, you'll be free from your responsibility. Nobody should have to force a woman, no, no. And so I really don't know what happened. I just set out to find a wife and I was in the way the Lord led me. And King Hashem was to say, I really don't know how the readers found it. But they did. And Ruth would say, I really don't know how I happened to land on the part of the Boaz. I just went and somehow I did. It's exactly the way it is for you and me. Exactly the way it is. We don't have dreams. We don't have visions. We don't hear voices. We don't see red lights and green lights. And we don't really know as we make decisions in life if it's God's will or not. We can't honestly say God told me to go here, do this, and say that. We just go and do it. And, and God leads us. We're like, I'm being in the way the Lord led me. That's why it's so important for us to pray. To pray to ask God to lead us. That's why one of the most important meetings here at the chapel is the Wednesday night prayer meeting. When we pray, when we take the ladies' prayer list, thank you, Cookie. Where are you, Cookie? There you are. Thank you, Cookie, for putting together every week that list. We pray to God to lead. The reason we pray for leading and direction is because like Ruth, like King Ahasuerus, like Eliezer, we're not going to know at the time, God is leading me. But like them, we can honestly say, we can honestly say, we don't know. We don't know. As far as we can't say, we can't honestly say it's the Lord's will, do this, do that, we don't know. And as far as God's will is concerned for our lives, if we think we're, that he's going to put up green lights and red lights at every corner, we're wrong. He's not. And he doesn't do it that way. That's what faith is for. That's what faith is for. That's what prayer is for. And now I can almost hear somebody say now, well, if God is not going to give us an indication of which way to go and what to do, I can make some really bad decisions, really bad mistakes. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. That's true. That's what repentance is for. That, we can always come back and start over again. We have two ways to choose from, and if we choose the wrong way, go back. And if you saw in chapter 2, verse 3, and you saw Ruth going down the road, you saw this, this young lady going down the road from Bethlehem, you would have seen a woman who had no idea which field to walk into. And if you'd stop Ruth in verse 3 and say, do you know if you're going into the right field? She said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she would have said like that. And then if, you, if we asked Ruth, well, how did you choose that field that you went into? And she'd say, well, Naomi and I prayed about it this morning, and all we prayed was for that God would send me to a landowner who had a heart and who I could find grace in and go glean in his field. So before I left this morning, I prayed about it. And by the way, that's why it's so important for us to pray to God in the morning. 
It's so important before we leave home. So we'll make right decisions. Like the song, the, the, the poem, I met God in the morning when the day was at its best and his presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long the presence lingered. All day long he stayed with me. We sailed in perfect calmness or a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to drive them brought me peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mine when I too had loosed the mooring with the presence left behind. So I think I know the secret. Learn from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. So Ruth would say, I prayed about it. Before I left this morning, I asked God to lead me. I really don't know. I didn't know which road to take. I got down here. I looked at one field. I said, boy, there's some nice corn in that field. But, but then I saw it has a prickly pear barrier you know, around it, and there's no poor people in there, gleaning there. So I figured, that's a hard-hearted landowner. I don't think I'll choose that one. And then over on the other side of the road, I saw another field. It had nice corn in it, and there were a lot of poor people over there gleaning in it. And so I just figured, well, that landowner is a generous man. I might find grace in his eyes, and, and I need a lot of grace. I'm a Moabitess. I'm an outcast. So I figured that that's a landowner who'll show me grace, and so I chose that. I had no idea who owned the field. Meanwhile, in heaven, the angels are holding their breath, saying, oh, we hope she finds the right field. <laughs> and when she does, they give a sigh of relief. No, not really. But what's so wonderful for us is that even though we're like Ruth with uncertainty, God is overruling, God is leading, even though we don't know. We can depend on Psalm 31:15. My hand, my times are in his hands. Psalm 37, 23 through 24. The steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he fall, he won't be, he won't be utterly cast down. The Lord upholds him with his hand. Psalm 121:8. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Why do we need this? Because of something that's not in us. What's not in us? Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man to walk, to direct his steps. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart devises his way. The Lord directs his steps. That's why it's important to be flexible in life, not to be so stiff that you can't let God redirect. Scott's verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, explains how he does it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways. He'll direct thy paths. So for the child of God today who wants a sign or wants some experience or he wants some bright light or some voice or some vision or some dream, forget about it. Must realize God doesn't work that way. God speaks to us through his word. If we're walking in fellowship with him, we have no unconfessed sin in our lives, we've not grieved the Holy Spirit, we can commit our ways to God. And when we get to a place where we're not sure of what decision to make and what's the best decision we can, and if it's the wrong decision, we go back the other road. But let's be very careful about saying, I know this is the Lord's will. We just can't be sure. Ruth might have chosen the wrong field. She might have chosen the field of a hard-hearted, but she would have found that out. Thank God that he's watching over us. And he watched over Ruth. And he's delighting in the way. And he's leading his, his children. That's our God. That's who we depend on. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your leading in Ruth's life. And 
Thank you for how you lead us to, Lord, each step of the way, because you are the God that sees us and the God that leads us. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.